You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit Patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to a Father's Day edition of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm joined by my father live live by my father and by my father i don't mean the lord i mean my actual father <laughs> randall mcdonald thanks for being here today it's very good to be here happy mm-hmm. father's day happy father's day to you too well, thank you yeah um yeah well, you haven't it's been a little bit since you've been on a podcast i guess it's been it's been a little bit the last <laughs> time i was on it i didn't like what i did so i'm really glad that i get to <laughs> Kind of get a another chance at it because I thought I was awful. Come back so, and totally redeem yourself. Redeem myself, I hope. Well, you killed a big old buck this year, so yeah. that's a redeeming quality that you've got. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a, it was a fun hunt, and and we we talked a little bit about it, uh, like fresh in the moment, and I didn't actually remember that we actually we had that conversation back in November. It was from November the ninth, and I think it was called like big bucks on small tracks or something like that. But I look back at the dates, you were like, yeah, we talked about it already. And I was like, I don't remember that. And I looked at the dates. It was when I was probably high on pain medication <laughs> from having kidney stones. I think I killed that buck on November, uh, was it November 5th or 6th, I believe. Whatever opening day of yeah, Texas season was. Yeah, that was opening day of, of uh, rifle season. Sure was. Opening day. That's the first time. Is it? It's. You know, you killed that that other big buck. Was it opening day or was it a couple days after the opener? Because it would have been right around the same time. What other big buck? The other big buck you killed on that property, the 10 point that you got mounted. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a November 7th buck. 7th, okay. Yeah, that was definitely a November 7th buck. 
Texas has, I mean, the rifle season opens up right around then every yes, year. every year. Which is peak rut. And, I mean, you've you've done pretty well for yourself on that on that week once i learned what the week was and how to hunt it and do it right i i think i I think forever i will be able to probably uh kill a decent buck there now that i got a little better understanding of it you have off years i'm sure but yeah but as far as knowing the time that you're supposed to be on that property it's at 20 acres right 20 acres about 20 acres it's it's a huntable 25 though Okay. Uh, because of the states right away and stuff, but it's a huntable twenty-five. Huntable twenty-five acres, and you've now killed one really good buck. Yep. One, another one that was a legal Texas buck, which is still a pretty good buck. And I love that buck. That buck was a ten point with really good brow tines. Yeah. And that was nice, nice for East Texas. I'll never forget that day. That was yep. a good day. Yep. I had a great day in the woods. You I didn't did. kill anything, but I saw a bunch of deer. Yep. And then we were both back and forth, just like, one of us is going to kill a deer eventually today. It was, because we were both, I mean, I think I saw like 20 bucks that day just running around, just all over the place. You were here in Texas, though, yep. and I was, I yeah. was in Alabama. Yeah. We were just texting back and forth, and I'm like, I know at any moment Dad's about to pull a trigger. But Texas has these, I mean, we've talked about it. We talk about it probably every time you're on, but the uh, the the it's not an antler point restriction. It's a width restriction. It has to be... Thir- was it 13, Thir- 13 inside, inches inside, inside spread. spread, which is a very tough thing to, to try to Oh, it's real difficult. Judge. And so um, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Mike Perry, who most people listen to this probably know, is a friend of mine, and he's been on the show a few times. Um, he killed that big buck, that big nearly 200-inch deer, and had like a 15-and-a-half-inch inside spread. And... And you think about that, a 200-inch deer, a or, or I think he was, what, 196 or 194? Some, what was it? One, uh, 196, wasn't it? It's something like I mean, it's big, whatever it is. But, but he could be a 194 and be 13 inches inside spread. And he wouldn't be legal. Yeah. And there, he he was like, almost illegal. Yeah. So, I mean, you think about that. It's a hard thing to try to judge at a distance is inches. That's like... That's a hard thing to try to judge. And so you, you kind of are at a disadvantage to where you're like, I had big buck just walk through. I just don't know what it was. I had <laughs> yeah. a, I had a real mature, the, the year, well, the year after I shot that 10 point, yep. uh, I had a really good buck that I would have loved to have shot. Uh, it, but it was thick. It was an old buck. And, um, but it had one messed up side and it never would have gotten to the 13 inch rule. Mm-hmm. And I had my scope on him. I was ready to pull the trigger. He was at 20 yards and I, I, I was trying to make it in any way that I could make that deer legal. <laughs> and it wasn't, but it was a mature buck. Uh, it was one that I really would have liked to have shot for me. It would have been great, but I had to just let him walk right in front of me. Hey, going back to even talking about hunting that property at the right time. You had another chance to kill a big buck that you missed. Remember, remember the one that you missed, or or at least you couldn't recover um, over at Pop's place spot. He came out. Um, oh yes, and you got it on video. Oh that yeah, was, the one I got on video. Yes, that was a big buck. That was a very good buck. 
Um, could have been the buck. I, I personally think that there's a great chance that it was the buck that you shot this year. It could have been. I mean, he was that style of buck. Uh-huh. He was. And I thought when I when I videoed him, I was like, man, did I just miss that? But I, I never could get any blood off of him. He jumped like I hit him, but I never got mm-hmm. any blood, never, never had uh, buzzards flying around. And so I easy. looked and looked and looked for it, but never got it. Be easy to lose a, a deer on a marginal hit on twenty acres. On twenty acres, that's and tough. and that spot right there is right next to the uh, to the river, and and that other guy's property is just over. so so it, if he goes across the river, I've lost him. Yeah, you know so well, and and not to beat a dead horse on this thing, but um, I because I, I know that we've talked about your property quite a bit over the years of of hunting it and. Um, you know, it, it's a, it is a hard property to hunt. The first year that you had it, yes, you saw what one one buttonhead that whole season. Yep, yeah, hunted every day, and then just learning. It, and it and it goes for every property. The guys listening to this that maybe you hunt big tracts of public land, you you understand this that certain places you can only hunt it at the perfect timing. Um, I think most seasoned deer hunters. Would tell you that now there are some people like Bobby Worthington. You know he's he talks about it in his episode. If you're gonna hunt a buck in a spot during the rut is the time to hunt him, and you sit there every single day until you kill him. Yep. You sit that same spot because the rut's the time when you can get away with a bad wind. Blah blah blah. But what you risk when you do that on a small property is like you risk if you go and hunt that place on the wrong day on the wrong wind you may have just very well given away your whole season. And think about this. That 13-inch rule really comes into play at that point because mm-hmm. you're only going to see a handful of 13-wider deer out there. And if you if they've got your scent, you're not going to see them. They're, they're going to go nocturnal. Uh, you're just not going to see them. So it just decreases your odds of getting that buck. Though I do believe in what he said is right, it's just if you're gonna kill that big buck on eighteen acres, eighteen to twenty acres, yeah, you better have everything in your favor to get him. Yeah, and I think you learned that lesson, you know, and you've you've through listening to your podcast, through, through, yeah, listening to podcasts. You know, I remember the first time I showed you a hunting podcast. I think it was Wired to Hunt, and yep. I was like. It's the greatest thing ever. Hunting podcast. What a cool idea. And I thought, this will never work. <laughs> yeah, and, and Nobody's going to listen to this. <laughs> nobody's going to listen to a podcast. Um, but here you are at 50, whatever, and, and however old you closer are. Closer to 60 than 50. <laughs> and and you're kind of putting these things to play. Just got Onyx, you know, in the last, last couple years. And... Um, I'm trying to extend my hunting years because I, if it hadn't have been for some of the things that I hear on your podcast and some of the other podcasts I've listened to, I, I don't know how much longer a guy like me can hunt without just hunting in a deer blind, you know, yeah. the one that you always go to and just, that's all you can do. With my piece of property, you've got to cross over a slough even to get onto the property. Mm-hmm. So, so if it's rained, you're going to have it's going to be an issue. There's no easy way to get to it. Mm-hmm. And the older I get, man, some of the techniques and some of the things that I've learned off of the your podcast, 
has has made the a world of difference of how I hunt that acreage. Mm-hmm. But what it's also done, and I hate to just keep going on this, but it's made me look at Onyx maps and try to find public land that's around me so that I don't hunt my land so much. Mm-hmm. And that saved my land. Now I'm getting big deer on it because I'm not out there all the time. They patterned me. Those deer absolutely patterned me. Yeah. But now I go out to, uh, uh, I've got to drive about an hour and 15 minutes to get to one, but there's a spot and... Um, do you mind me talking about that right quick? No, talk about it. There Just was, don't name, I guess don't name the place. I'm but, not going to name the place, but, but there, yeah, talk about it. There was a, there was a place that I found within a, within an hour and fifteen minutes of my house. Now I can drive up to two to three hours and still be on that public piece. It's mm-hmm. a pretty good size for Texas. It's a pretty good size piece, but um, I found a spot. Um, it really wouldn't be a spot that I would normally hunt like I do in Alabama. I didn't. It, it it just wasn't similar. But because there was there was tons of pines trees, they were they were spread out pretty good. Um, underbrush in them. I went out and sat in that that little area. The first time I went out there, I had a doe within forty yards of me during bow season. Right? During bow season. Yeah. And the first time I set out on that piece of property, and uh, I thought, man, this is so cool. I had an opportunity to kill a deer. If if I had been up in a tree, I would have killed that deer. But I was down on the ground, and by the time I spotted her, it was too late. But I talked to you about that piece of land. I said, through Onyx, we were able to, to look at it. And I asked you, I said, if if you were me on this, this track of land public land where would you go (laughs) and you looked at the map and you said right here there was a specific spot and i don't know how to give details on yeah i mean it was it was a creek there was a creek and there was a nice a nice hard edge that was in there and kind of a little hub and then there was private Mm -hmm. and i found a day that i had good wind the wind was perfect for the spot and i went i i went to that spot hunted on the ground and and you said I would look in this particular direction if I was you. And man, if I didn't see a buck walk <laughs> the exact trail that you said, you said those thermals are going to be playing. And they're going to come in uh, scent checking that area, and it's exactly what he did. I just couldn't find if he was a thirteen inch or not. He was a mature deer. He was a thick deer, but I don't know if he was thirteen inches. Yeah, because you only got. He was just scent checking really quick, and you only got a side profile from him. I got right. a side profile. I saw him once on on where he came across the private. He came onto the land, was getting ready to cross the creek. I saw him for about three seconds, and then I found an opening on the other side of the creek, and I saw him for about two seconds, and I had my scope on him, but I couldn't tell if he was 13 inches but it was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back there. I got, I mean, yeah, it did exactly what, what you said. And, and, and then you can start replicating it too. Like yeah. you can start replicating it and finding the spots as you, as you continue going back there, you know, you just, man, we'll go try this new, this new one. It looks like this. I went back later, uh, in last season to that spot. And I thought, all right, I know what I'm going to do because I found a number, a number of scrapes, just right all together, and I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill a deer today. 
and there were four other hunters right there on top <laughs> of it. So they knew too. But uh, uh, early season, it was a good spot, and I will probably hunt it again this year. But man, that that was so. Looking at Onyx and how you interpreted it, I learned some things. I guess the point is on Father's Day, it's kind of good to have a reverse here, where <laughs> where the father learn, learns from the son and be able to 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 replicate some of the things and find some of those things. And so, man, dads learn from your sons. Well, you know, it, it, we kind of are in a uh, age of technology, um, and a lot of the guys my age, you know, we've we've kind of adopted all this new technology and it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like a second nature to us you know we just pick up the phone and like oh yeah look at that map i can i can use this easily um but you know guys 50 60 years old are looking and like i don't even know where to start on this thing it's the truth <laughs> it's the truth um i've talked to a lot of my friends uh, uh, uh even in my church i got a number of guys who who hunt and technology is just not what we do. Yeah, we just go look at sign. Well, yeah, I mean, and there, that's one. There's one way to look at that. It was like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if you are finding gaps in your the way that you're hunting, you know, some of this newer technology is a good thing. But you kind of you kind of led us perfectly into what I really wanted to hit on, okay. which is this idea of, you know, you you weren't really raised hunting. Um, Yet, you you raised. I mean, I would say I I grew up hunting. You know, it was it was kind of it was what we did, but you weren't raised doing it. You really only kind of got into it, really at the same time that I started going with you. Yes. And so, like, I want to know, obviously, what you did. There's a a part of what you in what you did that is was absolutely right. If fathers want to raise sons who are you know, outdoorsmen and, and, you know, I, I don't know what you would seasoned hunters, I guess, if that's the, the, what they want to raise and they're not maybe feeling like maybe they're new to it as well. And a lot of guys listen to this podcast. I know a lot of guys listen. I can think of three that I know right off the top of my head who are adult onset hunters. Uh, you know, maybe they have a little bit of background in some outdoor stuff, but they're mm-hmm. not really into it. And now they have found hunting as this escape or or whatever, and they want to know how to raise kids to do the same thing. What are some of the things that you think you did that led me in that direction? Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. Whether you're looking for a new knife for the field or the perfect everyday carry, you've got to check out Join or Die Knives from Richmond, Virginia. Join or Die is a small shop and a custom knife maker dedicated to creating handmade knives that are cut above the rest. 
They make custom handmade knives to fit any need from the field, the kitchen, or just an everyday carry. And they come in several different steel and finish options. They've also got a ton of options for the handle as well. Plus, if you don't see something you like, you can always order a completely custom knife forged to your exact specs. I highly recommend you check them out. Get yours at joinordieknives.com and use the code SGHUNT to save 10%. That's all uppercase, all one word, S-G-H-U-N-T. Start out by saying, I believe the Bible is correct. And being a preacher, guys, I've <laughs> always referred back to it, so it's my life. But what you sow, you reap. I think that's not that's not just a, a biblical value. I think that's a that's a value in life. I think it it transcends it. So so what you what you put into you're gonna you're gonna get back out of it. And and <laughs> I remember uh, we would we would go when when Parker was a little boy. We would go to his Mima and. and Poppy's house. You're Poppy. You're Poppy. He's Poppy. He's Poppy. Yep. But we'd go to their house, and you'd sit, you'd sit out in the back with a little little Daisy BB gun or pellet gun or something, <laughs> and and uh, every once in a while you'd come inside and bring us a bird and say, "Look what I got." And, if I remember right, now there was there was a a spot they had this little courtyard. Yeah. And like right outside the door. And I had, there was a bench and I had set up sticks and stuff to make a little blind yep. right there. And there was one like rose bush that grew up and birds would just come and sit in there. And I would sit behind that blind until, until a little sparrow would pop up or something. And he'd kill it. And I'd kill it. Uh, he, that's what he would do. And, and everybody would celebrate it. Except for <laughs> me, Ma, if it was a pretty bird, she didn't much care for that. But, no. but you know, it was, it was kind of the beginning of it. And, uh. Uh, then we went to uh, a hunt in Eden, and uh, shout out to a man by the name of Sean Thomas. Don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. He he kind of he, he kind of started it. He yeah. kind of got us to a place where where we could go out and shout out to him. But uh, I, the place though, Eden he is in Eden, Texas. So any Texans <sighs> listening to this are going to know this is Hill Country of Texas. Important part of this is though that. It's target rich. Like it's a target rich environment. Yes, it is. I I really think for for me as a kid. Now I was I was all boy through and through. Yep. I wanted to climb stuff, dig digging stuff, kill stuff. It didn't matter. I like the blood and guts. Like bring it on, Hawk. My son is just the same way. Yep. And and so I think I would have probably enjoyed it, no matter what. But I will say. That going out there and seeing all those deer and all those turkeys and quail and oh. axis deer and and all this stuff, man, you're just as a kid, you're just like you feel like you're on this African safari, you know, and 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 that's what you're going for. And now, I hunted a lot of places after that when we would hunt in Alabama. That was not target rich <laughs> right know? yeah but i always wanted to chase that feeling that i got because i knew what it felt like you know what i mean and and you kind of ran into it on accident yeah but for me like I, when i think about taking hawk to places i want to take him somewhere man i don't i don't know that he he will fall in love with, with it like i did if i just start him out going out on a boat at two o'clock in the morning 
hunting public land. Well, that's hard. It's hard work. That's hard. With not a lot of return. No. <laughs> it's a battle. Because while I was sending you pins this year uh, <laughs> to hunt your places and you were seeing bucks in those pins, my very own pins, I was not seeing bucks on. <laughs> um, but do you think that had, did that have something to do with it maybe for you too of like, of like, at that point, you now got to experience that. You hadn't really experienced anything like no, that. No, and that's a then. that's a good that's a good part to talk about because because my dad would take he had an automotive paint and supply business and uh, he would take customers out hunting and because he would take customers out hunting it was mule deer in New Mexico so we got to go with him me and my brother and and sometimes my whole family my sister and my mom would go but. But generally, me or my brother, we'd go with him, and, and he would, I don't know what, how you would say it, but, but he would pay for the hunt for these customers to go out and, and hunt, and uh, we didn't see any bucks. And not really hunt. <laughs> you know, just no, kind of... Dad Dad, just dad kinda shoot the bull, yeah. <laughs> dad and the customer drank a lot, and so... <clears throat> but, but, but I got the taste of it, and I love... Now, here's the thing that I got out of those was the campfire. That's yeah. what I got. That campfire experience, that that being out there in the in the hunting camp and and we had a bunch of people and and just the environment of that. You I don't I really don't know anywhere else in the world you get something like that. Just yeah. that closeness with God and nature and and being and out friends, there and rustic you know, and the, family. Yeah, you you t- it's just it's surreal almost. We didn't see any bucks. I'm telling you, for 10 years, I hunted New Mexico and didn't see bucks. Saw lots of does, but I couldn't shoot does. And so uh, one particular hunt, I counted over 100 does. Didn't see no bucks. Didn't know how to look for the bucks. Mm-hmm. They probably were there, but I had my eyes on the does all the time because I didn't have any, no training yeah. whatsoever. So so I thought that was what hunting was. And then uh, come to find out that really wasn't, kind of the right way and we went out to Alabama learned through my brother-in-law uh, Kevin he taught us a little bit uh, he taught you he taught me yeah he went with you I don't think Eden was the first time that I had ever gotten to go deer hunting with right you, but I remember I remember thinking I remember one time sitting at Nana and Papa's house and Uncle Kevin took you hunting and oh I was mad mad mad, mad. and I remember I remember y'all uh it was that was back in the plaid days. You were wearing a red plaid shirt, taking it out, <laughs> and I was like, "Man, I want, I want. That's what I want. I want to go do that." And now I'm experiencing it too because my son does the same thing. But one thing that 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 Kevin didn't know, or maybe he did, but he didn't do, and that was the public land. He he yeah. would do the leases, and he would do the. Yeah, I think he grew up hunting public land too. Whenever he was younger, but he had kind of gotten onto hunting leases and things like that so when we would go to alabama if we didn't have a place to hunt we didn't know about public land mm-hmm. or we would have been out there much earlier yeah we you and i would have been out on that public land i know we would have just to have a spot to hunt because we loved it so much uh but 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 we went to his hunting clubs and and did that and i appreciated him for allowing us to do it because that kind of got me hooked and and then eventually helped get you hooked but here's here's the thing that I felt like, and this is what I would say to dads on, on Father's Day. 
if you'll show interest in something, if you'll if if you'll take your sons and your daughters with you hunting, there is a very good likelihood that they're going to enjoy that. They're going to either like the campfire, they're going to like the meals that were prepared around the campfire, or they'll like the kill, mm-hmm. the, the the harvesting of a buck or, or a doe. And it gets in your blood, and, and then you can't wait for the next time to get back out there. You could have been susceptible living in a mid-sized Texas city where there wasn't really much else to do around West Texas cities mm-hmm. except for drink or yeah, do whatever, party. party. Yeah. Honky tonk. But what you did is you wanted to go hunting with me every chance you got. And and the thing that I think worked for us is as soon as I felt like I could trust you with a gun, we put you in a stand by yourself. And you fell in love with it. And you you killed some big you killed way bigger deer than I did <laughs> in those first years. But but we couldn't wait to replicate it. So in Texas I had to spend Two thousand dollars, which is probably translate to about five thousand dollars now. Now, but at that time, two thousand was a lot of money. But in order for you to get hooked, man, that took a lot of money, uh-huh. and uh, it was worth it. I don't, I don't regret it because because I don't feel like you dealt with a lot of that other junk that was out there because you always wanted to go hunting, and so it just worked for us. And now that I've got my own land grandkids can come out anytime. If I was better able to get the corn out there, they would have a lot better chance at it. <laughs> you got some dogs. I got some dogs. You got dogs out there right oh now. Oh my goodness. Pack of wild dogs. But but I think that investment of taking your kids out and, and, and showing them. I know when we would go fishing, I didn't want to bait the hook and, t- and, and tie the hook on because you would never learn to fish that way. So I, I, what I felt like I had to do was when you were a young boy to teach you how to tie your own hooks on, and it worked mm-hmm. because you became a great fisherman uh, on those on those campouts uh, with men and guys who were real good fishermen. You could fish with them because you already knew how to do it. Yeah, it was an investment in my time. But then, here's the thing: I want guys out there to understand is you get a hunting buddy for life if you do it right. It's true, and and. And that is the payback because I have a hunting buddy for life now. All right, I'm going to stop there and let you talk. <laughs> tearing up. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's true. I wonder, though, did you feel like you had to do any, like, forcing me to like it? Like, did was there any, like, push that you made? Like, I'm going to make sure my son likes this. Or was it was it a situation where you just kind of let me lead in my the things that I wanted to do, and you just kind of adapted to that. I saw what you liked, and I and I told myself, adapt it, because I don't want this to be just a momentary thing. I wanted it to be something that would go for uh, and help you, and and now it went way further than I ever thought it would. But but I wanted <laughs> help might not be the right word. <laughs> Maybe not help me. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like my life would be better if I did not. Uh. Yeah, I mean, it can be addictive. It definitely can be. But but I do feel like that that, that investment, I never forced. No, 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 never, never. You were always begging me to go. So that was always something. 
there was also a point in your life that you were starting to sow some wild oats. You were doing some things. You were, and and when we would go on our hunting trip, the where we would go, we would I think I can say we went to Big Lake. Yeah, uh, Big Lake from Texas. out of Midland, and I'd go to my deer lease there, and Parker would go with me, and the the distance between Midland and Big Lake was probably what about an hour and fifteen, an hour and yeah. twenty minutes. But that hour and twenty minutes is the time that I could tell you anything, talk to you about anything, and you would pay attention and and you wouldn't check out. It to me that that distance was where I got to speak into your life the things that I think that were going to make you the man that you are. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't necessarily at the camp; it was the distance between the camps. And because uh, you've even said that when I would come and pick you up at school and. We mm-hmm. would we would drive that distance. You just couldn't wait. But that was the times that I could speak, and you listened. You absolutely paid attention to what what I was saying. Yeah. And and to me, I would do it all over again for that. That we, was worth it. We I agree. I I remember a lot of post football trips. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd pick me up after the game, and we drive straight to the deer lease during deer season. And we do our our recaps of the game, what what I did wrong, what I could have done better, what I did well. I usually wanted to, I'm sure, just talk about the things that I did cool. Um, but but those were always extremely valuable moments right there that I think a lot of people listening to this who may find themselves as a a seasoned hunter like myself, guys guys like me who grew up doing it, and and we've you know, I, it's it is the most important season of my year for me. Is like is it's deer season, and so it's hard to imagine giving part of that up for your kids. Maybe not hard to imagine because um, I love my kids, but you know, at some point I'm gonna have to like pull back. Do you think you gave up? This is an easy question. I don't even know why I'm asking it. Do you think you gave up a lot of hunting opportunity for yourself so that I could get into it? No. Really? No, I didn't. I didn't give up. I. I Was there ever a moment where you're yes. like, "Crap! I wish I could have killed that deer, not Parker." <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yes, there. San Angelo. There was a. There was a beauty of a deer. Oh my goodness. This deer was a trophy. I wish I knew what he looked like. <laughs> and I saw him for just a minute, had the gun, but I wanted you to have the opportunity. And you just couldn't find him. You just, it, it, and and this was a brute. I mean, he was a brute. Uh, dark horn, chocolate rack, wide, big deer. And and not super tall, but, but very nice deer. And uh, you just couldn't find him. And I had the chance to shoot that, and I didn't. Um, there's, there's been, there's been some opportunities that I, that, but, eh, you know what? Not really. No, I mean, I think, I think to me, the hunt is the camp and the, the cooking biscuits in a, in a Dr. Pepper can. I mean, to me, <laughs> that was, I mean, come on, you, it don't get better than that. I mean, yeah, that was fun. We, it was probably Doctor Thunder, knowing yeah, how you, knowing how you were. <laughs> but yeah, it, those that that was the highlights. And then uh, uh, 
going out to a deer lease and and uh, you call me and said, I'm, I pretty much decapitated that doe. <laughs> that was the coolest thing. I mean, my first deer with a bow. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, that, <laughs> I will. I'm Golly. not going to go too far into no, that. I mean, it's that my deer. first deer with a bow. Uh, I don't know if I've ever shared this story on a podcast. It's so embarrassing. I shot her, uh, well, I'll say this there was like 10 does underneath of me. You had this tripod set up like five yards away. From where the feeder was at. And it was a perfect tree. It, it was great. They had no idea I was there. No. And I shot once. Missed. <laughs> shot twice. Missed. Shot a third time. Missed. Shot a fourth time. Missed. At this point, I'm shooting rages. So if anybody shoots rages, you know, once you shoot those things into the ground, they're pretty much just flimsy. They're not, <laughs> they're not closing back. And so all these deer just stayed there. And I was like, well, I'm out of arrows. I got to get down. I get down out of the out of this tripod stand, go grab my arrows, all the deer run off, climb back up. Before I even get up to the platform, the deer are already coming back. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to keep trying <laughs> until I hit one. And so finally I hit one, and it wasn't the one that I was aiming at. <laughs> it wasn't even the one I was aiming at, I don't think. Um, I don't remember all of this story. I just oh, remember man. the end run of it. And, and the reason why it happened, that where I, the reason I hit her where I hit her, because I wasn't aiming there. <laughs> like, I was just so far off. And I wasn't a bow hunter. This is my first year with a bow. And ends up, like, hitting her square in the neck. Yeah. And just, it was a... What a blood trail. It was, she was dead in, like, 10 yards. Yeah. It was, it was a, that was a moment. But, but those days like that were just super valuable. And these days, uh, even myself, like, the... Uh, you know what people say, like, our kids used to be able to play outside without having to worry about anything. Now we worry about everything all the time yep. and yep. blah, blah, blah. You know, you can't, it's hard to, to, to leave your kids to do anything these days. Um, but I was 12 years old, I think, when I first started hunting by myself. Right. I, I got my hunter safety course done as soon as it was legal. And once you have that, you can do it. And... um. I know you were on pins and needles that first, because that was a trip to Alabama. Oh my goodness! Oh, that was the scariest. Talk about how you, first off, as a as a husband, how did you convince my mom of all people, the most worries one of the most worrisome people of her children that I know. She's she's always worrying about us. She was when we were kids. How did you convince her of that? Um, or was it just she's, a? She's not going to listen to this, so I can tell you the truth. Um, she didn't know. <laughs> she didn't know you were by yourself until later. Um, she she would have said, "You're not going to do that." And you know, we we got a good marriage, so. <laughs> uh, but I didn't. We didn't talk about it. I think afterwards we did, and she was a little upset. But but it was as much my training as it was yours because it was hard for me to let go. I mean, when that sun starts going down. The woods take on a whole new look. They don't look like they do when you go up. It's it's a scary, scary uh, situation for a twelve year old boy, and I just uh, just worried, worried until you finally I saw that flashlight coming down off that hill, and then I <laughs> took a, a breath. But I prayed a lot. I did. I prayed a lot, and uh, I, if I'm being totally honest, I mean I'm. 
I'm still to this day, I, I do worry about you. I, I worry, I mean, you hunt, you hunt different than most people. You hunt a rugged lot. You, you get up at 2.30 in the morning to get out there and uh, that to get to where you go, you're, you're traveling in a, a weird hour. You're tired. You do it days on end. You, then you kayak in or you boat in or however you do it. I worry about you, man. I, I've spent a lot of days praying for you. Uh, but I always have on my cell phone, I have the friend to friend with you and I always know where you're at. And guys, I highly recommend if you go into the woods, you have somebody that knows that trail. It's know always it. worked out great for us because I'm not really, you, you don't live where I live, but you know the people that I know for the most part. And so you're... You're kind of like having a hunting buddy, but I don't really don't have to worry about you going in and hunting spots that I'm in. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I promise you, I promise you, there's some joker over here listening to this saying, well, I ain't sharing my spots with nobody. <laughs> I share it with my dad. That's pretty much it, you know, yes. and and he knows where, where I'm at at all times. If something were to ever go wrong, uh, that's why I do it, you know. Yeah. I, I don't do it because for any other reason other than just... You, somebody knowing where I'm at all the time. And let's just face it, that one trip to to Nebraska, it worked in your favor because I found you. True. I found you. Uh, uh, I followed you, and we were talking, and you were coming home because you had kidney stones. And uh, I just got sick. I just got sick. Was it sick? And yeah. uh, and I found public land that you were passing by, and I said, off to your right, right now, as you're as you're traveling. There is public land, and you might see a turkey. And you said, Dad, there's a turkey out there <laughs> yeah. in that field. And I directed you back. I was sitting here in Tyler, Texas, and you were yeah. just, that was, to me, that was that was probably one of the funnest hunting trips that I didn't go on. Yeah, it was and cool. It felt like you were there because, I mean, you were tell, you were looking at other parts of your map. I'm looking at my map trying, yeah. to, trying to figure out, and you were able to, you weren't driving like I was. Right. And you were able to say, okay, turn down this road. That's how you get to the gate. So I was turning down that road. All right, the gate should be right up there. Get to that gate. I get out. All right, I'm going in. No more communication. And what was it? 30 less, minutes? Yeah, 20 minutes. 20 to 30 minutes, you had the turkey had down. Killed that bird. Um, that, that was awesome. That was so much fun. <laughs> Those are the moments that I think guys miss out on. Um when they don't invest, invest that time. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I can yes, think of, I, know a lot I, of guys. I can think of so many people who, yeah. who will never get to experience that because they never took the time to, to make that an important thing. You know, right now Hawk is, which is my son. He's at an age where, um, he's three years old. He's, he's learning what he likes. You know, he's, he's just, he's all boy, a hundred percent boy. He's not, he's not into baking or <laughs> anything like that. You know, he's, he wants to like his favorite part. I talked about it in the last podcast with the, uh, join or die guys. And I talked about how he loves the night, like the cutting, like let's cut that thing. Let's get that. Let's get bloody. He loves it. He had Spider-Man today gutting him. <laughs> I'm serious. He was gutting Spider-Man. Maybe that could be the title of this. Yeah. <laughs> gutting Spider-Man. How to gut a Spider-Man. There's a little Spider-Man doll, and he's like, we killed him. We're, 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 what did he say? We're skinning him or something? 
It was his. That was his. We might have just admitted that my son's troubled. Uh, I don't think he is. I no. think he loves hunting. Yeah, he does. I think he loves the whole aspect of it. He does, and um, man, I want to. I want to do it the right way, but it's harder because I, I I like to hunt. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I do find myself in those moments where I where I take him, and I'm like. Man, if I could just... Well, I had the moment with turkey hunting with Henley last year where I could kill a turkey that day. I really could have killed a turkey that yeah, day. A hard turkey. Uh, a turkey that I didn't kill for the rest of the season. That, that turkey was smart. The only the only other time I ever got an opportunity at him was when you got the opportunity at him. That's the only time I called him in was, was that day. And he came on a string, but I didn't have the gun in my hand. And it was just an awkward position for you where you were at. Um, and so those, you know... Those are tough. It's tough to get everybody. You know what? You know what's funny? In the moment with Henley, I, I, I've never once regretted that. Never one time. Even as I was leaving that turkey goblin whenever I had Henley with me and I couldn't kill him. Right. I didn't. I never once was like, oh, man, I could have killed that turkey. I mean, I, I know I could have. And that may be a little bit disappointing, I guess, but. Even driving back, it wasn't a hard decision to say, "Ah, eh, well." I think I think what scares people more than anything is thinking about those moments. It's not the moment. Whenever they happen, it it's not hard. It's not a hard thing. You're like, "Man, my my little girl got to hear a turkey gobble for the first time." That's what I came out of that with. Yeah. She, she heard that turkey gobble and it lit her world up. And, <laughs> and and Hawk, you know, I think it's going to be the same way whenever I get to you know, kill something with, with him being there. You know, we've killed squirrels and some things, but uh, never a deer or a turkey. And I think, you know, when we do that, I will say we I took him hunting this year, deer hunting this year, and we saw deer, and he was fired up about it. I bet. So, you know, those moments like that, like, I, I don't I don't get too caught up in thinking about the things you're going to have to sacrifice because I promise the sacrifice is pretty easy. If it... I, I guess I should also say, if you go into it with the right mindset, knowing that this ain't really the time, there's going to be a time when the kids get older, when it's going to be time to kill. It's like, it's going to be time to hunt. When we hunt, we're hunting. We're hunting. We're yeah. not worried about snacks. We're not worried about where we're eating afterwards. There's going to be that time. But early on, it's just going. I love how you said it. It may not be the actual hunt that they fall in love with. It no. may be the breakfast afterwards, but that's like finding that one thing. And I think even for Henley, she loves going to Jack's and getting pancakes after we. Your sister. After we hunt. Your yeah. sister loved the the going either cooking breakfast or going to the restaurant. She loved that was the funnest. She did like that. So and I did too. Yeah. You know I I enjoyed, around the table. I enjoyed the fellowship and. Like uh, thinking about guys like Dale, Dale Washburn, Washburn. Good night. That camp. was so much fun. You know, I I, not, I keep coming back to this. I, I haven't said it yet, but I keep thinking about it is like not being afraid. Uh, guys like me, I have a hard time at this point in my life because I know public land and I know how to hunt, and so I have a hard time thinking about going out to an outfitter or something like that or paying money to to kill a deer. Yeah, but those. Uh, those kind of things, like, consider it. You know, I, I've been talking a lot with uh, Adam Cruz, who, who's who got kids. 
He's got a son who's who's really fired up about turkeys right now, and he killed a public land bird. But me and Adam talked about it back and forth a couple times, getting kids involved, trying to get your kids involved when you are a hunter like we are, a public land, you know, kind of a grinding hunter, um, not a pleasure hunter. Right. Uh, we talked about that, like, you know, an outfitter is not a bad thing. And it has its place, and it may not be the thing that we want to do all the time, but as an investment for, for kids, like, like you said, you spent 2000 bucks yeah. every year saved up. And, and and I loved it. It was it was a it was a high roller lease, and you wasn't a high roller. You was a pastor, high roller, but I loved he was a holy it. roller. <laughs> it was so fun though. Yeah, and we spent a lot of time out there. We did. So that was cheap. Really, think about it. Mm-hmm. That was cheap in comparison. If you had been on a travel ball team playing baseball or something, mm-hmm. that. $2,000 on a hunting lease was way less than what those guys spent. <laughs> and you still got to shoot deer. You still got to do it, too. Yes, yeah, so, I got to do it. Morgan so, got to. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Out of, and I hope I'm not diverting here, but um, so so all these years you've hunted, you've done this, and I know we're getting close on time, but all these years you've hunted, uh, we've hunted a lot together. We went some different places. We got to hunt Kentucky last year. That man, I didn't, I didn't kill a deer, but that was the funnest hunt. Um, when all these hunts that we've had, what was your special memory of out of all those hunts that we've mm-hmm. had? Was it a campfire? Was it a deer? Was it a was it a moment? Was it a was it a, uh, a a special story? What what was it that you remember the most out of your, you know, I'd say those formative years uh, that just it just really says, yeah, that 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 was it. Like the moment that got me just just hooked into it. Was it Eden? Was it? I'll tell you. Lake? I'll tell you the moment where I lost my chill more than I ever have before. I killed a buttonhead deer, and that was that was great uh, in Alabama. I killed that little buttonhead, and that was my first deer ever. Yep. I when I was ten. Yeah. With me and you, and that, that was awesome, you know, but I, I didn't really have anything to compare it to because that was my first deer. The next deer was uh, that seven point, um, and and that was a cool one. The one that Roy Boland took us out on that hunt. Oh, oh, yeah. That was a cool hunt, and yeah. and you killed a deer on that same day that I yeah. did. That was my first buck. There's a lot of cool things, and, and we were excited. We were really excited, but still, you know it was still a pretty new experience for me. Um, but after you kill a couple of them, you're like, okay, I'm a deer hunter. Yeah. I'm a flipping deer hunter now. Yeah. Boy, you can't, you can't stop me. <laughs> and, uh, the next deer that I killed was on this lease that we've been talking about. You got on that lease and, um, you and I were hunting together. Yeah. This, this season. And I, I don't remember why on this day we hunted together, but, uh, I was already hunting by myself, um, but we were hunting together for whatever reason on this day in this retarded little uh, three-point. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. Remember that <laughs> little deer who came limping up? And he was not going to live. Now, you got to, people have to understand at this point in my life, I am, I've only killed two deer, but I am sold out. Like, I live for this now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm. Everything in my, I think I had whitetail bucks running as wallpaper in my room. I oh, yeah. had, yeah. I mean, I was tore up with it. I live for this. 
<laughs> this little goofy little three-point deer that still had velvet. He was, he he may not have had a ball sack. We might not have looked. Like it might have, it might have been a, a that poor deer, a doe with antlers, but he still we had, had no antlers. Look, I guess, but he he had this giant basketball-sized like tumor on his leg. Yeah, and he couldn't walk. And I remember that deer walking up, and you know I had no intention of really shooting a deer that day because I was hunting with you. And uh, that little thing walked up, and you're like, "Oh, that that deer needs to die. That that is not." He's not healthy. And you said, you want to shoot him? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and I, of course, I mean, you remember, I mean, whenever I, whenever I was like, okay, get oh, ready man. to shoot it. It was, oh, gosh. I've been dreaming about this my whole life. I've been waiting for this moment. And, wow. and I missed him the first shot, but he couldn't run away. And so I shot him again and hit him. And, uh, that was to me, that was like when I, it like set the precedent for how I was going to act from there on out when I shot a deer. And I don't think I've shot another deer wow. since then that I wasn't just like stand pots, you know, <laughs> give, me, give me a minute, you know, just <laughs> fired up. I think from that deer on, so I would say that one, um, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of it too was, wow. was that was the first deer that we worked for. We had set up blinds on this place. We'd never had our own place to hunt. Mm-hmm. And we had set up these blinds. And by we, I mean you mostly built these blinds. And I went out there and helped us do what I could. Um, but you hand built all these blinds. We went and put them up. We were keeping, putting the feeders up. This is West Texas, so this is just how you hunt in West Texas. Putting feeders up, making sure there was corn in it. This was a whole new world for us. We weren't just getting invited to go hunt anymore. Like we had a place that we could go whenever we wanted. And we killed that deer. That was the first deer we killed off that property. And I just remember like it just being like this whole, we had hunted several, I don't remember at what point in the season we had hunted, but we'd hunted all, all bow season. I know for sure. Cause I mm-hmm. shot him with a rifle. So we had hunted all that bow season part of rifle season we had had put time into it and finally there was and as goofy as it was uh that was the first one that we shot and so i've thought i've thought long and hard about it before like what was the one i thought it had been the 11 point well that was the next year i killed yeah was that big 11 point that one to this day you say you weren't crying down there but i know you were you when you got when we got to that deer and you picked up its horns you were just you were tore up uh, well I'm a grown man now, and if I shot a a deer, a nice buck, I get I get a little teary eyed sometimes. Just it's just like the the adrenaline rush. It's not necessarily even being emotional. It's like you just oh, and I remember feeling it that day with that dumb little three point. Isn't that amazing? Because I don't even give that three point a thought mm-hmm. in my mind. It's nothing. I, and I wouldn't now. It's a mercy killing, is what it was. It, it was. It doesn't even compute in my brain. I would have went immediately to the eleven point, but but that day was something special for you because it was the first time that that land produced, and we were hunters now. Yeah, and and it worked. Somebody didn't put us on that deer. No, we put us. We on that put deer. us on that deer. We picked the spot. That is such a good we did, perspective. We did all of it, and I wish I still had that skull cap. Um, yeah, we, I, do too. I know we have had it here in this house because I remember it being in that little side shed that you have on the other side of your carport. 
I know we've had it here, but I don't know. I don't know where it is because I think, but it's like oh. covered up in nasty old velvet. It was just a nasty looking it was. deer. Oh, that deer, man! Just West Texas deer are already kind of mangy, mangy looking, and he was that just, one was or she, whatever it was. Yeah, um, and that's a good story though. That is a that's a really good story. Well, and 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 it kind of drives us to this point of lowering standards uh, with your kids, and and I think. I hear a lot of people talk about, well, my daddy didn't let me shoot blah, blah, blah. Or we, you know, turkey hunting. Like, my daddy never let me shoot a Jake, so I bought whatever. People kind of use it as a high horse. Um, but I think having having a, a realistic standards for your kids to be successful. Yeah. We, we set T-ball, we, we do T-ball on a T so kids can be successful, be successful and they can get a taste of the success. There ain't nobody signing autographs from knocking a home run off of a T. <laughs> You know what I mean? You 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 progress and you learn and whatever. But I promise you, the first spike that I see whenever Hawk is sitting with me, that Joker's going dead. Going down. I'm gonna, what does Pablo say? A spike gonna die today. <laughs> Shout out to Pablo. Pablo. Um, but uh, that I mean, you've got to do that. There's there's you got to make changes as a parent. You got to make changes in how you do this thing, especially guys like me who are hardcore about this and uh do you remember yeah. do you remember the uh i'm not gonna mention this guy's name okay because i don't know that that it was all legal or not <laughs> but but i remember uh we were we were at a hunting lease and a buddy was coming to hunt with us i know the story you're going with <laughs> <laughs> and and he pulls up and he had a, a, a rastabout truck and, and he pulls up and he jumps out of his truck and he's just the happiest guy. And he says, he says, well, I already got one of my tags filled. And we kind of, everybody looked at each other and we, what? And he said, yep, hit this eight point on the way here. And I threw him in the back of my truck. <laughs> I've already got one tag. A big eight point, a pretty nice size eight point about and if I remember correctly, you got to know this guy to to picture how funny this would be. But he talked about like <laughs> he had to like he had to end up killing a deer with a hammer. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, and so yes, whenever, he did. <laughs> so whenever I mean, and and some people are probably gonna think this is not appropriate story to share, but whatever. Uh, he ended up killing this deer with a hammer, and it was a brutal. A brutal bludgeoning. But it was going to die. Sure, yeah. I mean, he it had to kill It was going to die, and he wanted the meat, and and I'm pretty sure we ate backstrap that night. <laughs> we did. We ate it. I remember eating it. <laughs> so, to me, that's, that's yeah. perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I know there's ways you're supposed to do that and do it right, and I, but... But he didn't know. He just threw it in the back yeah. end of his truck. Throw it in the truck. We're going to eat good. And he was so proud. He yeah. already got one of his tags filled. If I'm not mistaken, that the second tag that he filled out there was a buck that had both sides broke off, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> it was basically a big old long spike that everything was broke off. Everything. <laughs> Nothing was left. And he shot it. And he was proud of it. He was so proud of that deer. So you guys giving me a hard time about some about lowering my standards sometimes. You gotta understand where I was. You gotta understand my raising. This is the deer camp that I was raised in. Oh man, well that's funny. I could sit here. We could sit here and talk about these stories. 
and that I mean that's the whole point of this podcast is we got a lot of stories, a lot of good memories um, that wouldn't be there without hunting, without the medium, yeah. which is hunting for us. And yeah, dads, take your kids. Tell tell people one thing, uh, just one thing on their way out. You're a pre- preacher. I know you can pull something out. Well, it's selfish right now, but I, I'm really looking forward to October. <laughs> I mean, yeah. start planning now. Start, start. If 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 you can't, if you don't, if you can't get land, you don't have land to go hunt. You don't do. Just get get on the internet. Get somewhere where you can find public land, and go out. There. It's yours. Go hunt it. Do it now. I mean, find that spot. Find a spot. Uh, drive out to it. Look at it. See what's out there and and set it up, and you won't regret it because you'll feel like like we did all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And and it's you start of, somewhere. It starts somewhere. If you don't take the first step, you'll never get out to that to that thing. And I appreciate all that that Southern Ground has has invested in me. Some of the other ones, Wired to Hunt. Some of the different ones, of course, you know they're secondary in my opinion. They don't hold a candle <laughs> to yours. <laughs> I'm saying that because you're my son, but no, I, I, there's, there's some good opportunities out there and learn from the podcast and you'll do well. Well, cool. This was fun. Thanks for coming on. Lots of memories. Yep. We could probably do a whole nother episode. Just share all the funny ones. Yeah. Cause we got some funny ones. Hey, can I, okay. One thing I will close. Okay. Okay. Second closing. You're a pastor. So I can this do is second closing. One of the funnest things that we do is after we shoot a deer, we get um, um, fruity pebbles. Fruity pebbles, and and if if you're a deer hunter or you got deer camp things or you're find traditions like that. That's a neat tradition that we do. Yeah, and it's and it's fun, and it, it makes it just kind of a highlight when we shoot a deer that evening or whenever we do it. Yeah, we're gonna have some fruity pebbles. We get it just for that case. Some people may crack a cold one. Some people may smoke a victory cigar. Some people may take a shot of whiskey. We uh, we do it right. We tear up the fruity pebbles. <laughs> yeah, we, we just do it the right way. And they don't know that they're wrong. There's my wisdom. <laughs> that's my second closing, and that's all I got, I think. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Dad, thanks happy for Father's Day, and uh, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.